<laughs> hey, let's pray and let's talk about how spotless we are. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always true. Thank you, Father, that it goes out with great power. Thank you, Father, for the people you have here today for this appointed time. God, that they would walk out of here knowing who they are, secure in who they are. Father, bless them today by your word. Your word, not mine. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. All right. How the Lord sees you. Amen. Yeah, let me tell you something. Sometimes we struggle with how we think the Lord sees us. But we're going to see in Scripture how the Lord actually sees you. The Lord doesn't see you, Christian, in your sin anymore. Christ paid for your sin. And the quicker you realize that, that if God's not looking at me in my sin, maybe I shouldn't be looking at me in my sin. Then you can walk out with great powers. Things start to happen. You want to change? Do what the Word says. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repent. It's not telling people how bad they are. That'll never make people repent. That'll put them on a sin confess, sin confess, real wheel. Amen? It never works. It never did work when I was growing up. So if you want people to truly change, tell them how good God is. That's what the Bible says. Let's try that approach. Let's see what happens. People start to be freed up because they see that God is, is, is good even though their actions are not. And then... When they start to focus on how much he, they're loved by God, unconditional, that's when you'll start to see changes. Amen? And that applies, that's a good way to, to, to we want to role model what, how the, the relationship between God the Father and God the Son is. Amen? And if you're a parent, you want to kind of take from this how the Lord treats Jesus. Amen? And we're not going to hang our kid on a cross. I wouldn't do that, ever. None of you would either. But what I'm saying is, man, we need to affirm our children just as God the Father affirmed Jesus before he did anything. Amen? Let's see that. So uh, if we go to the baptism of Jesus, it's at the River Jordan. Amen? The River Jordan. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan. Y'all, sometimes y'all think I just make stuff up. The Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, 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 and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. What in the world? Wow, how's that? How many of you guys know that when Jesus came to the River Jordan, baptism is, a, is, is symbolic. It was symbolic of how Jesus would die. Amen. Jesus was baptized showing that this is how righteousness is going to happen. This is how righteousness is going to happen. So that's what baptism is. He is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. I love that. <laughs> that John allowed him, right? He allowed him, even though it was already prophesied. But that's how Jesus is, man. He loves to, 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 to put us in a, in a place where where he can brag about us. He can brag about us because it's his faith, not our faith. Amen? When he had baptized, uh, when, he, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see there the Father's approval. The Father's approval. Before Jesus performed any miracle, the Father said, I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. Isn't that beautiful? 
very next uh, story, very next chapter, but there's no chapters and verses in Scripture, amen? This is the very next thing. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fast, uh, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. So he was, he was approved by the Father before the temptation came. Amen? I love that, man. I love that. So if you think about the River Jordan, the River Jordan literally means to descend, right? So Christ descended from heaven. Christ descended into sin. Christ descended into the grave, but he ascended and rose to life. Amen? Amen? So the River Jordan is much more than just a river called Jordan. There's a name for it. It's descending. It's representing what Christ would do for us. Isn't that awesome how the Bible, everything in the Bible has significance. It was written that way to give us life. So Jesus, the River Jordan is a, is a picture of Jesus. His baptism uh, is a picture of his death on the cross. Amen? If you go back to Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, in the original, the word fire is not there, okay? And people will say, man, see, the fire. What does the fire mean? It doesn't matter. It's not there. So don't focus on the fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So look at this. John didn't see. Now, John grew up with Jesus. They <laughs> that is awesome. I can help you search the web for who is the Holy Spirit <laughs> on your iPhone. Isn't that so nice of Siri? <laughs> Did y'all know Siri was a Christian? <laughs> I wonder if that's ever happened before, like ever. That's that you're you're. Don't answer that. Look, she's doing it again. How do you stop that? So John, you John grew up with Jesus. Amen. He grew up. They grew up together, and, and I'm sure they played together. I'm sure they played games together. Right? Did you grow up with some of your family members? Kind of the same way you grew up. You were out there doing whatever it was. And maybe someone played, maybe sometimes they played Samaritan and the Jew or, you know, the, the Roman and the, and who knows, they played, right? They played together. But here, I want you to see that John, when John saw Jesus coming, he says, behold the lamb who takes away sin, the sin of the world, not the sin of the church. Jesus took away the sin of the world. And he said that, so, so John saw him in who he really was. He didn't see his cousin coming. He saw the savior of the world coming. And he said, man, his sandals, I'm not even worthy to tie. Isn't that amazing that John saw him for who he was? Love that. So the father approved of the son before he performed any miracles. He came up out of the water. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He also, uh, approval came before uh, the temptation. So he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, it, that came before this came when the tempter came in. So, church, if you want your children to, to, to go out there and win in life, if you want them to go out there and be successful in life, fathers, love on your daughters. Approve of them. Not for what they do, not for what they look like, not for how they act, 
but approve of them because you love them right where they are. You're thankful that they're a gift. Same way with your sons. Treat them as God the Father accepted. Call him, call Jesus my beloved before he did anything. Isn't that amazing? Well, he's talking about Jesus. No, he's not just talking about Jesus. He's saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'm telling you, the more you do that. And by the way, the tempter came. I love to say this, point this out. Some of you guys know what I'm going to say already. But he said, what did, the, what did Satan say to him? What did, the, what did the devil say to him? If you are the son of God. What, what did God say to him? He said, this is my beloved son. What word did Satan drop off? Beloved. You got to know you're God's beloved. Because Satan will come at you and he'll drop that word. He doesn't want you to know that you're God's beloved. He would say, hey, if you are a Christian, if, if, if the Lord really does love you. No, he does. I'm beloved. Shut up. No, listen, I am beloved. Do you know what the word beloved means? It's important. It means I'm the one being loved. It means I am the one being loved by the Father. It's not my love for God. The Bible says that. For this is love. Not that we love God, but that God first loved us and gave us Jesus. So it is so important that we know and that our children know that we are beloved. I mean, that has got to be one of the biggest things that we can teach our kids right off the bat. Not because of what they do. Some people say, man, my son is awesome. He plays quarterback. He's throwing up. He, everybody's looking at him. He's going here. He's going there, right? Who knows where he's going to end up, but everybody's wanting him and all that, and you're so proud of him. Well, were you proud of him before all that? Because that could go away. Amen? In Jesus' name, if that's your son, it won't go away. But I want you to know that his identity is not wrapped up in what he does. It's wrapped up in who he is. Who the Lord says he is. And he's beloved. Men, tell them they're beloved. And you see a, a guy out there that's, that's living in sin. By the way, who's not living in sin? Love when people say that. They're living in sin. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> we all live in sin. But if you have somebody that's living in sin and you're worried about it, man, speak to them how God sees them. You are a woman of God. You are a princess. You, God's got great plans for you. Instead of, what the what are you doing? You're an idiot. Now you're speaking death over them. Speak how God sees them. God doesn't see them in their sin. God sees them covered by the blood of Jesus. Speak to your spouse that way. Don't speak what you see. Speak what you want to see. That's faith. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a woman of God. Thank you, Father. Because, listen, if, if you're a woman struggling, your husband's struggling, he's not coming to church or whatever, let me just tell you this. The, the Bible says he'll be won over without you saying a word. Yes, Somebody say amen. amen. Let's go back to Scripture. Y'all just saw godly wisdom upon me right there, boy. That could have went really bad. But it's the truth, amen. You don't even have to say anything. They'll see it in you. In you. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace. By which. Now listen, don't just skip over by which. Because by which is the reason. His grace is the reason he made us accepted in the beloved. Because of his grace, by which means by his grace, we are accepted in the beloved. Grace is giving you something you don't deserve. 
Grace is loving you in your sin where you're at. That's what grace is. Grace is blessing you where you are despite your sin. That's what grace is. And by that, he made us accepted in the beloved. Say, I'm accepted. Now listen, why does it say in the beloved? Why would it say? Because everywhere else in Scripture says we're, we're, we're it should say we're like accepted in Christ. And we're loved in Christ. We're blessed in Christ, right? But here it specifically says in the beloved because he is drawing your attention back to the River Jordan where God said, he is my beloved. Because people said, no, that's just for Jesus. No, God treats all of us as the beloved. He says it all through scripture, dearly beloved, dearly one being loved. And when you know that you're the one being loved, you can't help but go out and live right. You can't live right in order to become loved. You, once you know you're loved, then you live right. You can't change people. You can't change yourself. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And the way he gets in there is by you understanding that you're loved right where you are. In spite of who you are. That's amazing to me. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. One offering, because before you had to perform in order to be accepted. Now, by one offering, the, the bulls that were sacrificed lasted for a year, and it was based on your performance. But by one offering, he's perfected those who are being sanctified. Our sanctification is in Christ. We are being sanctified by him. He is our sanctification. Isn't that beautiful? I love that, man, that, that, that it was by one offering. Not by your offering. It was his offering. His willing offering. You are as perfect as your sacrifice. You think about that. Because look at that verse. One offering he has perfected forever. The offering made us perfect. So whatever that offering is, is how perfect you are. The goats, the bull, the, the, the doves, all those things that were offered before, that's how perfect they were in that old covenant. But today, we are as perfect as our sacrifice, and his name is Jesus. And he's altogether perfect, altogether loving. That's who he is. Guess what? That's who you are. For as he is, so are you in this world. No, nah, we're going to be perfect when we get to heaven. No, you're perfect in this world. Because it says, in this world. If it said in heaven, when you get to heaven, it would have said, when you get to heaven, get the religion out of your head. Repent from that religion. Accept the truth. You know why it's so hard to accept? Because deep down in our flesh, we believe someone has to pay for something. Hey, man, I failed. So something's going to happen. And it's going to happen in threes. Right? The washing machine's going to go out. My transmission's going to go out. Right? And then you're like, you're just waiting on that third thing to happen because everything happens in threes. Nope. Something happened in three days where Jesus rose from the dead and set you free. Well, you're not under that condemnation anymore. It's not about you. It's about what Christ did for you. He's perfect, altogether perfect, and he sees you as perfect. And when you receive that church, man, when you get that revelation, you will be the most freed person you've ever been in your life. And you won't receive condemnation. You won't let people tell you what they think about you. You'll let them tell them, and then you'll bless them. With, thank you for your opinion. Because <laughs> what you want to do <laughs> is drop them. 
some old Chinese film. You want the pipe? You know how I was always like a minute behind? <laughs> that old Bruce Lee movie. Went to fight. Anyway. <laughs> Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Very important. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Christ dwells all the fullness of God. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power? I, I love that because that's our starting point. The, our completeness is our starting point. Isn't that beautiful, man? What does it mean to be complete? That means that you have been made full. You've been made full in Christ. That's a great place to start. Some people say, man, you'll get more. You take this class, you'll, you'll learn about holiness. You take this class, you'll learn about, you know, uh, complete forgiveness and all that. No, no, no. You don't, you don't need that class. It, it just drop out of that class. That class, not your classes that you go to at school. Amen, parent? We, we need those. I love this. Guys, I want you to get this verse. We are complete. Think about what that word means. We're complete in Christ. Don't just skip over it. Meditate. Chew on that word. That's life to us. And, and it says that, that's, that you are. What is our church? You break this verse down. What is our? Right now. That's who you are. Right now in Christ, you are complete. You can't be no more completer. And that's why you stay in school. <laughs> so you'll still have completer. I'm a completer. Ooh, check out this Song of Solomon. I love this. You, you, you see the Song of Solomon, you see the, the, the bride, right? And you see how she is the only one that talks bad about herself. You'll never, you'll never see the Lord speaking bad about her, the groom, ever. She's the only one that says something bad about herself. So check this out. She says, I am dark but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar. Listen, the tents of Kedar are goatskin. It's, like it's like a poor man's tent. She, she, she's seeing all the stuff that's wrong with her. Ladies, can you, can you testify to that? There's guys that can testify to that, amen? You look in the mirror, you see all the things that are wrong with you. You're always talking about how, how disqualified you are. This is a picture. This whole book is a picture of us and Jesus. It's, it's a picture of the bride and the groom, amen? When Jesus was on the cross, he was pierced in the side, and out of him flowed the church. I'm, try, I'm trying to remember like I was there. <laughs> how did I see that? You know what I'm saying? But out of his side flowed the church. Do you remember in the book of Genesis? What did God do? Out of the side of Adam, he took a rib. Jesus is a better Adam. The Adam, much more Adam. Amen? He's the second Adam. The, the, a much more, a better Adam. And so, so this whole thing is about the bride and the groom. And all she does is see how her imperfections. Being dark back then, man, when you were dark, that means you were outside working all the time. You weren't inside. Back then, being butt white was a good thing. But now I'm butt white, and it's like the opposite. You got to be tan or something. You know, the, the people like, you look at that dude in them shorts, man. They're like, bling, like Rudolph's nose went off or something, man. Drop, can anybody, anybody else pure like me? A couple of us. 
But that's what she's saying there when she says dark. She literally means because that was what uh, being outside under the sun all the time made their skin all leathery and things like that. So you got you to gotta, you gotta take context into it, amen? You got to. So she's always pointing about how, her, how imperfect she is, right? Do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyard. See, they put her outside. But my own vineyard I have not kept. She's like, I'm not taking care of myself. And, and, and every single time she comes up and says something like that, this is what the beloved, the, 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 the groom says. Uh, you are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. No moral issue that disqualifies you from my love. I'm not looking at your spot. I'm not looking at all these things you're saying in great detail. I'm looking at the fact that there is no spot in you. None. Why? Because I love you. My love. My love. You are fair, my love. Isn't that beautiful? That's a picture of Christ in the church today. So how can God do that? Because Christ took your place. He took your place. Isaiah 53 speaks to that. Isaiah 53 speaks to the fact that Christ was on the cross dying for you. And he was not a good looking man. That's where it says it. But man, if you tell me Jesus wasn't good looking because of that verse, I'm going to tell you you're messed up in the head. Because that verse, during that verse, during that chapter, he was on the cross taking our place. Outside of that, he's altogether perfect. Beautiful, lovely. I believe he was the most handsome man to ever walk the planet. He walked around like, Revelation 1 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. You see, washed. Past tense is who you are. You are as clean as, as your sacrifice. You're as clean as your perfect sacrifice. He washed you in his own blood. He did it. It was his blood. That's who you are. That's why he sees no spot on you because he took your place. Now you can walk around like there's no spot on you. And it's not to be a hypocrite. A hypocrite says, there's no spot on me. But you, but you got spots all over you. No, there's no spot on me, man. It's pride. Uh, this is the way you need to walk around in spite of the fact that I have sinned. I'm loved by God the Father. And you know, when people see that, they're like, that's not a hypocrite. I want to be loved like that. I want to be loved in spite of my failures. But the church tells you the opposite thing, man. You have got to get to a point where you stop failing so God will accept you. That's a horrible message. People need to know that God loves them right where they are. You can't get no snugglier with the Lord. You can't. Listen, Peter, Peter was a man. That said, hey, wherever you go, Jesus, man, I will die for you. I will fight for you. I'll, you are my ride or die. Didn't he? Guess what happened when the people came? Yeah, he ran and he even denied Jesus in to a little girl with cussing and swearing. And he was at that table at the Last Supper. You know who else was there? John, a man named John. Peter's name means stone. By the way, Peter represents believers who are still under law. 
They'll fight for Jesus, but when the rubber meets the road, things happen, they get a bad report, they forget all the promises of Jesus. John, his name means the grace of God. He represents those Christians that are under the new covenant, the grace covenant. You know what he was doing at the Last Supper? He was leaning in the bosom of Jesus, snuggling, snuggling on the heart. He was close, close. One, denied Jesus three times, which, by the way, got Jesus all the time. I see this on Facebook all the time when I'm on there. You deny Jesus before men, I'll deny you to my father. Click like. <laughs> if you agree. Right? Who's seen that? Click like, right? I mean, that's true, but Jesus said that before the cross because Peter denied him three times. Did, did, did Jesus deny Peter? No. Well, because it's Peter. <laughs> We all sin like Peter. Aren't you glad God doesn't pick people? God doesn't say, I'll choose you. I'll choose. He's not picking a team. He loves all people. Amen? So, so John represents God's grace. And only one of those guys was at the foot of the cross, ministering to Jesus in his dying moment. It was the one who rested, who snuggled Jesus, who was close, who felt close to Jesus. Peter had to ask John. Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Peter's like, yo, John. Ask him who it is. John's like, bro, he's right there. Ask him. <laughs> no, I don't want to ask him, right? Because there was a sense of fear there. There was a, a sense of, 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 uh, of being away from God. But, but when you realize, like John did, even people see that. When the rubber meets the road, they come to you. They come to the person that believes like John. They come to the person that needs, that'll give them hope. Anyway, Isaiah 53, see? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now, I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, how did it please God to bruise Jesus? That doesn't make any sense to me. It pleased God to see Jesus on the cross. How? How? He has put him to grief. It pleased him to put him to grief. It pleased, it pleased God. It pleased God to, for Jesus to be in there begging to take that cup from him. But that's not all the story. It also pleased God that Jesus got up from that and said, not my will, but your will be done. It pleased him to do that because he loves us. And the more you realize how much we're loved in spite of how perfect Jesus was, man, that makes us feel accepted. There's something about being accepted and loved that way that makes you want to do things for somebody. When somebody accepts you, when somebody loves you right where you are, you look for ways to help please that person instead of doing it to check a box. If you're a boss, treat your employees that way. Watch what happens. Watch how blessed you will be because you're modeling what God did. Can't go wrong that way, amen? Uh, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. Did he do that? Jesus is alive today, amen? Yeah, forever and ever. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That's beautiful. The, the, the pleasure of the Lord is prospering in the hand of Jesus. And, but, but it pleased the Lord to bruise him because he loves us that much, church. Ooh. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Church, I can't tell you how much, how important it is for you to understand how beloved you are. You've got to know your love by God in spite of what you do. You've got to know that. All right, do. So, so do in order to become. What does that mean? Well, when Satan came to him, he said, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. But right before that, what does he say? If you are the son of God, 
If you are, it's a condition. If, then, if, then. Satan says, if you are son of God, if you are beloved son of God, even if you want to throw that in there, then perform. Turn this stones into, into bread. Satan's automatic, automatically, all he does is, if you are, then perform. You see what I'm saying? Now, this goes all the way back to the garden. Genesis 3 says this, right? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He said, when you eat of that tree, you will be like God. Are you with me? This is chapter 3. Let me take you to chapter 1. Then God said, let us make men in our image. Wait a minute. What Eve should have said to the serpent? I already am like God. I already am like God. He made me in his image. I don't have to eat that fruit to show you that I am like God. I don't have to do that. I don't have to perform in order to be something. See, Satan is want, and religion is wanting you to perform in order to be. God is saying, be, and then you will perform. He's like, you just need to rest. You just need to rest in who you are, who I say you are. You're qualified. You're forgiven. You're blessed. You're healed. Rest right there, and then you'll start doing some stuff. But if you start doing some stuff in order to be all these things, you're going to go crazy. You'll get tired. You'll walk away from the church. You'll be burned out because you're doing it in your strength. If you want the light to shine, rest, then go. Amen? I don't know about y'all. That fires me up right there, boy. We're almost done. Why did Israel wander for 40 years? Why? Why in the world did they wander for 40 years when God told them they could have something? Deuteronomy 6. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and to give you a large, beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out, dug out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full. Now that is amazing. God was going to put them in the finished work. That's where we are today, church. We're in the finished work. Everything we have, we don't deserve. But we're in it. God wants you in that land of rest. He wants you there. But they, God told them to go get it. They didn't go. They sent 12 spies. Ten of them came back, saw the giants. Two of them came back, saw the grapes. They're like, look at them grapes. They're huge. Look at those houses. Why did God put the giants over there? Because they big build houses. They big, they, they, they build big houses. They dig big holes for wells. They plant big vineyards. Amen? And he's like, yeah. Satan's like, we're going to stop them. God's like, no, you're not. You're going to provide for them. But go ahead, do your thing. And when I'm ready to take it, I'll take it. Right? God knew that. That's why he had giants over there. And you know that the, the Israelites saw them. They were afraid. They were afraid of them. They were afraid of the giants, and they, and they wandered for 40 years, right? Isn't that crazy? But you fast forward, you hear the story of Rahab. Rahab told the two spies, 
he, Joshua figured it out. He's like, I ain't sending 12. I'm sending two. <laughs> right? So, so, so Rahab said, hey, when we heard, when we heard what, what your God did at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the Red Sea, man, we were afraid of you. For 40 years, they were afraid of the giants who were actually afraid of them. But they didn't go take it by faith. By faith. How many of us live our lives like that? Where we live a, a certain way and we're deathly afraid. When honestly, man, we're afraid of the enemy. The enemy is afraid of us. Satan is afraid of us. Satan is afraid of the church waking up knowing who you are. Once you figure out your beloved, Satan hates that. That's why he attacks that message. So this is the same thing in Hebrews. We're almost done, guys. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his, say it, church, his rest. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He's talking about what we just read. The gospel was preached to them. The gospel, the finished work. He's saying that this is the finished work. He's like, go get it. Go get what's been done for you. Just walk in by faith. That's what he's saying the gospel is, church. And, and he says, it was preached to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why didn't it profit them? Because it's not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. you got to mix it with faith. you got to know that when God says you're the beloved and he's finished the work, you accept it by faith. And it profits you. The gospel will profit you. Here. In your mind. Love that. So, uh, for we who have believed do enter that rest. Now, he's talking about the promised land. That's what he's talking about when they, when they entered. But he calls it here the land of rest. God wants you to be at that land of rest. He says, man, for we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. But that's not what he said in the original. His, the land. But God's calling it now. It's a land of rest. It's a new covenant. Land of rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works are finished, church. What Jesus did is finished. He finished the work. We just got to rest. We just got to rest. This is it, Joshua 1, 1 and 2, we're done, all right? We got three more little, little slides to show you. After the death of Moses, who represents the law, ask any Jewish person over in Israel, what is Moses? They'll say it's the first five books of the Bible. It's the law, right? The servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, uh, Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. He's dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. You, by the way, it's the Jordan. It's the Jordan. Who was baptized in the Jordan? It's all tied together, and we're about to bring it together right here. All right. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. He wants you in that place of rest, church. He wants you to arise, go over the Jordan, remember what was done through the death of Jesus, and rest. See it? Right? So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan. By the way, Joshua's name means Yeshua. It's Jesus. The law can't get you over into the promised land. That's why Moses had to die. Jesus, Joshua, who represents Jesus, is the only one that can get you into the promised land. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? You think that's there by chance? Come on. Moses can never get you in. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the end of the law. You could say Joshua was the end of Moses because he died. Now he can get him over into the promised land. That's what Christ did for us. Right? 
bearing the ark, the priest bearing the ark. Who's our priest today? Read this. and Everything you see has got to be Jesus. Jesus is our high priest today. Uh, bearing the ark before the people. The ark actually represents Jesus. Amen. Um, the covenant of the people. And those who bore the ark came to the Jordan. And the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of the harvest. God wanted to make it really impossible. Amen. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still. Stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. Adam. The waters, the Jordan, rose all the way in a heap back to the city of Adam. The city of Adam is still there today. It's 15 miles from this point. So you think about 15 miles of a raging river rolled all the way back to a heap 15 miles high. That'll scare some giants. They're like, oh, they're here. Time to go. Let's just go. Leave the houses. Leave the vineyards. Leave everything that we did. Leave it. Finish it. It's finished. Let them have it. See? Rose all the way back into the house. So what did Jesus do at the word of Jordan? It's a picture of him dying on the cross. When he died at the cross, all your sins were rolled back to Adam. That is amazing. All the way back to Adam. The sins so, so the waters that went down into the sea of uh, uh, Rebbe, the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. That's unbelievable. That that's in the that's in scripture, right? And then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over to the Jordan. Jesus is our high priest, man. He he went to the cross so that we could cross over into the promised land and rest. Rest. We are the most rested church here, but we do more for the kingdom than I believe some. Churches that work their butts off for the Lord, for the Lord. You know why? Paul even said, hey, I labor more than all those people, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. The more the grace is in you, the more you will do for the Lord. Woo, so here's something you got to remember, church. You are completely you have got to remember that. Even when you sin, that's the most important time to tell yourself, hey, I'm spotless. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for that sin. Because if you keep saying, God, please forgive me for that sin, he's like, I did. Christ isn't going to die again. His blood's not going to shed every time you sin. Realize that his blood was shed one time. That'll help you not sin. Church has got it backwards. They say, if you don't sin, God won't condemn you. Don't they? It's funny because you're like, oh, because you get it now. But before you're like, hey, that's, that's true, man. God will forgive me if I don't sin. But what did Jesus tell the woman caught in the act of adultery? He said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. If you want someone to not sin anymore, don't condemn them. Give them the gift of no condemnation. You give them that kind of grace. Because they deserve condemnation. But if you give them something they don't deserve, grace, they'll go and sin no more. Let's do it the way the Bible does it. Now, I didn't grow up believing that. So I was that guy that would do it that way. I'm not hammering those. Man, my prayer is that those people, those eyes will be open and they would become even greater, have a greater impact for the gospel. Amen? 
So let's stand up and give Jesus a hand because he's the one that made us spotless. We can't do it on our own. God doesn't see a spot in you, church. If you believe in Jesus, you have faith that he did what he said he did. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead, and he's seated right now with God the Father in heaven. If you believe that, you're saved, you're a Christian, and God doesn't see spot on you. That's where we remain. That's where we rest. That's where powerful things start to happen. Church, I pray, I pray that you get to that point where you can, even when you forget for a second, you come back quickly. You remember what's been done for you. Amen? Pastor D, you ready? Amen. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us of what you accomplished through Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that purifies us, that washes over us continually. We thank you for the, the blamelessness of Jesus, the, just the pure righteousness of Jesus that we receive as a free gift. We thank you that for reminding us that we are spotless. The way that you see us is the way that you see your son. For your word says that as he is now, as he is, so are we in the earth. So, Father, we thank you for revelation of that. Thank you, Father, for just removing the scales from our eyes and helping us to see how you see Thank you for your word that has fallen fresh on us, that has blessed our life today. God, we receive it by faith. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Father, for your grace that is so sufficient for every area of our life. Thank you, Father, for what you have gone before us and done. Thank you for giving us a testimony of the righteous. Thank you, Father, for placing your word in our heart and our mind and equipping us with it so that we too can go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your love with which you draw us to yourself. Father, thank you for being with us as we leave this place. Father, may we take your grace, your mercy, the peace, all that we have received in this place today. God, let us take it with us as we leave and let us continue to experience you, Father. Thank you for reminding us as this week goes on of your word. Thank you for causing us to meditate on your word and continue to receive your truth and to walk in it and to rest in it. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And we are dismissed.